Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Diamond Styles, and I am the master chef, cooking you up something succulent and divine. It's your boys out here, and we are serving hot talk and cool iced tea. And I'm Mia Mix, here to set the tone and make sure the mood is right. So come on in and get comfortable. Pull up a chair, have a seat. You can even take your shoes off. Wait, not if your feet is down. <laughs> oh, hell no. Welcome, Welcome to Marsha's Plate. The time has come for you to be the change you want them to be, yeah. No more running around filled with all hypocrisy, yeah. It starts from the inside, it spreads wide, and everything will be alright. Join the conversation. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. Oh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We want to hear what you guys have to say. You can also help us build community by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash Marsha's Plate. By contributing to this podcast, you help us continue our powerful work to change culture one episode at a time. So let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Diamond. How are you? So this fucking month is so cool because I have been able to interview some of my favorite people, and this is one of them. Miss <laughs> Janicia F. Well, Janice, you want me to say Janicia Francis? Yeah, you can say that. Okay. J. Janicia Francis. That's me. <laughs> J. or Janicia. Yes. Yes. So I I have been following her for about four years yeah about four years about a year mm-hmm. before my podcast started oh yeah about four years she's the host of tea with queen j she's one of those people who in my mind i already thought i was woke but then you meet some people who take you to another level <laughs> you are one of those people oh thank you, know, you you are just one of those people who I think you just have a brilliant mind. Your openness about your emotionality, your openness about how you can think fucked up, but I can still examine it and where mm-hmm. where I'm at in the situation mm-hmm. and really explore that. I think that's what draws me to the work that you do. So I definitely wanted to bring you on the show and really share with our audience. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. I love talking to you. It's exciting to do it in public. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to bring you on and talk about hookup culture. So okay. what is your experience with hookup culture? Do you want to just define it? Oh, uh, I don't know how to define hookup culture. Um, but if you define it, then I could tell you my experience with it. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so, so it's so many things that fall under the umbrella of hookup culture. We have um, casual sex. We have like no strings attached, one night stands. We call it different things like friends with benefits. Um, it's usually like activities that include a wide range of things like um, sexual behavior, such as kissing, oral sex, penetration. Um, however, when these things transpire, the, the what's really a root of, <laughs> of, of, of pillar tenant is that 
there's no promise of or desire of the more traditional romantic relationship. It's not like, oh, we're hooking up to get married in the hopes to get married in the hopes to be in a committed relationship in the hopes to be in this long-term thing. It's just, just hooking up just for the pleasure just for the moment of satisfying, like, I guess, an urge or a release. So that's what, how I define it. What about you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. Yes. No, I co-sign. I co-sign. <laughs> I co-sign all of those things. So, like, I, when I was growing up, um, I didn't grow up, when I was coming of age as, like, a teen and as somebody who was coming into my sexuality as it relates to involving other people, I... Um, grew up very like you got to stay a virgin. Um, the, the when I came of age as a teenager, it was we were still in a, an era where it was okay to shame people for their sexual desires, women especially. So I think a lot of the um, a lot of the public and like communal and social media energy that we see around hookup culture being okay and like make your own sexual choices and that it's okay to have sex for pleasure and desire and all those things those are things that i learned as an adult because i grew up in this really patriarchal uh christian like old school christian household um older school than even the era that i grew up in like my house was just a fucking old ass negro spiritual ass house for no fucking reason like my mom is mad young so it was just like it's just some shit that happened to me um <laughs> we grew, so, we, and just to give a little context we grew up in the uh-huh. same kind of household because you grew up apostolic pentecostal. yes apostolic pentecostal yeah. like hardcore yeah all Jean of that dresses, stuff yes no dresses no makeup doily on your head yes. uh if you got your ears pierced, that's like, ooh, ooh. Like, I, I, I waited mad long for mad long. I couldn't get my ears pierced. And it was just, um, yeah, it was like a lot. So I grew up with that oppression. And then because as a teenager, we like I wasn't seeing uh, I wasn't exposed to anything, any kind of like liberation or like it's okay to make your own choices as a woman you have agency and shit like that i didn't grow up with that so those things i learned um as an adult and my best friend even though she didn't grow up in a christian uh oppressive christian environment we grew up in the same white supremacist patriarchal society so like my best friend that I would go to with stuff like this and we would talk about sex and all these things when I was exploring the thought of like yo you ever think that like you could have more than one sexual partner at a time because <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah I was like yo I could like you could just have like three people that you have regular sex with that shouldn't be a problem yo she lost her lid she got scared she stopped fucking with me I'm like, we talked about everything else and I introduced this one potentially new concept and you fucking lose your shit. So I didn't have a, a lot of support like in that area in terms of like, so when, when I think about hookup culture, right? It took mm-hmm. me until I was like a full grown person to be comfortable with navigating um, in that way. You know what I'm mm. saying? To where I can sleep with who I want, even if I just slept with somebody else the night before, like that's fine. Um, so yeah, I didn't start exploring that kind of energy until I was a lot older. I also, 
as a black woman, a lot of us deal with fibroids. So that was like a barrier. Um, they had gotten so intense. For anybody who doesn't know, those are, I'm going to use the growths or tumors, I would say maybe that line, if you are a person with a womb that line the, um, can line the walls of the uterus or be around the uterus or whatever. And at the time where my fibroids had grown, um, it was starting to obstruct my ability to have vaginal sex. And so if I was going to have sex, it was going to be with somebody who I could have that conversation with, or I was comfortable having that conversation with like, yeah, we can have sex, but I got to be in this position or da, da 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 So I've since had surgery, thank God. And it's been, um, it's been helpful. So I deal with fibroids, but they're not obstructing my ability to engage in vaginal sex. So like in terms of my ability, like, like I think for anyone uh, who, who has physical challenges per se or things that are not the norm there's this feeling of okay i have to explain myself and who do i feel like explaining myself to do i want to explain myself to a new person all the time or whatever so i think that at that time of my life i also wasn't engaging in hookup culture but let me tell you as soon as i got them fibroids removed when i had a new when i had a new pussy diamond okay the damage that was done all right, the hooks that were up. As it should be. I was in these streets. I was in these streets. I was in these streets. I had a whole new pussy and it was fabulous. It was As fabulous. So, yes. I so, so, you yeah, talked girl. about liberation, like sexual right. liberation. So, one of the things that people say that it is liberating and why hookup culture is a good thing is because it empowers women and particularly LGBTQ um, members and letting them focus more on growth and careers rather than finding a partner, um, sex, mm -hmm. just really just that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, overall finding a sense of freedom and independence. So, that's like the good pro side of it. But some people also think that it's kind of quite pretty unhealthy because it wears the mask of sexual liberation but it it's mm. really they feel like it really is just societal's pressure on us through the fear of intimacy and mo emotional vulnerability that leads us to having meaningless sex and i can see yeah. how somebody can fit see that because there's definitely this pressure that when you're young that says that you can't commit to anyone because you're young, that this is a time to explore. This is a time to be free and mm -hmm. get your experience. Because I, I remember feeling that at a young age, um, even, but over time I realized that it didn't, um, it didn't change once I got older. <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. maybe that's because I'm a trans woman, okay. but it, niggas is still trying to hook up and be unemotionally available. <laughs> right. That part. Yeah. I think like, it's really hard if you are somebody who dates um, cis men. I find that it's really hard to just be vulnerable with every one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like I have, I found when I was involved in hookup culture, I found that sure there were aspects of that were that were a coping me mechanism for dating people who were often emotionally unavailable and um just fucking men they're a problem okay dating <laughs> them is a problem it's their problem it is and and i've been across thankful the spectrum. I mean, across the spectrum it doesn't matter if you're cisgender transgender yeah they're <laughs> fucking problem men are a fucking problem and so, you know, I say cisgender men because that's who I typically date, but like, I, 
I have been, as a as somebody in my 30s, I have been able to experience more healthy, fulfilling relationships with those people. <laughs> but um, but I think that there's this this thing that the patriarchy does to women, and that says that like we're making bad choices, we're choosing the wrong kind of guys, or you know, if you date men, you're choosing the wrong kind of guys, and blah 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 blah. When in reality, they're trained that it's acceptable to gaslight, it's acceptable to withhold information, it's acceptable to um, be uh emotionally unavailable and like just uh, just a lot of toxic shit that we have seen nurtured and made to be okay so i feel like if there are i feel like hookup culture serves a purpose and it, it may be that it is uh when we talk about for people who date men it may be that the purpose is to distract it is a coping mechanism it is a false sense of freedom perhaps but i have found that when i was um perhaps dating somebody that I was interested in while they were showing me who they were, right? So while they were either proving to be somebody who I could trust and be vulnerable with, right? Um, or while they were proving to not be that person, while they were proving to um, be a patriarchal waste, it was comfortable for me to be dating other people, hooking up with other people, enjoying myself, having a good time. Um, and yeah, I think it's different things for different people. I think that some people, and then that also sometimes ties into like our ideas about like monogamy and all those things. I think that it just depends on like what your, what your wave is and what your vibe is. Usually when I'm dating, unless I'm deciding that, okay, I want to be in some kind of committed relationship with somebody, I do what I want with everyone. That's just like, you know, my motto. And I think that I have been lately calling it ethical non-monogamy as I explore that because I really don't want at any point, um, people feel like they have rights to you and they associate ownership with, um relationship and with with love and with caring and intimacy and stuff like that and i i find that i feel like men do that earlier than they should like they assume that that women are supposed to carry themselves a certain way and they can do whatever they want i i even honestly i hate talking about this shit because it's so fucking um it's binary, it's boring, it's, it's centers the fucking whackness of that is dating. Like it is a fucking, it's a fire, it's a dumpster fire, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I know that I'm talking so bad about it. I do have fruitful and valuable relationships with cis men. Like I, I have been doing that, but I don't think I, uh, because of that, that doesn't mean that I, I can ignore the fact that it is often a dumpster fire and even with those in those relationships that have been valuable there is still um this stance that i have to take and remind them like hey listen just to give you a heads up i'm not the one right it's like right. everybody tries it whether it be something simple as i'm gonna gaslight you and pretend the conversation that we had yesterday is not the actual conversation that we had right or <laughs> i'm gonna shift the energy right now because something that you said you're asking me too many questions you're making me uncomfortable or whatever it's like it's always feels like it's always 
something with them. Sorry, I don't know how I got there. But... No, <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> For me, it, it's I'm one of those people who were invested in that monogamy, that um, yeah. that ownership idea. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are my man, I you mine, and I don't right. want to share you with anybody. And you know that, it, and it was definitely connected to mm-hmm. my identity and what I thought like a woman should be, how I should navigate the world as a woman. It was, this mm-hmm. is what you do. Like everyone in my, every woman in my family has a husband, somebody who chose them. So I want to be right. chosen. And you know, they're protective mm-hmm. over their man. Don't be sitting on my man lap. Don't right. be talking. You know, I remember my mama um, would talk shit about a bitch calling the phone and not acknowledging that she's mm-hmm. in the room, you know, mm-hmm. that guy, this is how the women navigate. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, this is, that's how I should be too. And so as I got older, the what the hookup culture did for me, it just gave me practice in the arena that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I, the hookup culture allowed me to negotiate sex in the practice to negotiate sex, the practice to ne- negotiate my boundaries in and out of sex, the practice of saying what I wanted and mm-hmm. not, and it's really centering myself and not centering the men. And cause sometimes when I was in that mode of, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get, present the type of woman that I think that you would choose. It would be this negotiation that would not center me. It's like, how far can I compromise to make me choosable? How can, mm-hmm. if I say this, if I say this is what I want sexually right. or non-sexually, whatever, is it going to make me not, you, you're going to think I'm approved? Yes. Or you're going to, is it going to make me not um, be available to you? Is it going to turn you off? Is Because I do kind of like you, so I yeah. don't off. So hookup culture for me gave me and, and escort escorting too because mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when you have that exchange of money where it's a right. really really transactional you mm-hmm. really get a lot of practice and this is what i do this right. is what i want to do and mm-hmm. this is what it costs to do it if mm-hmm. you don't want to pay me this that it's really transactional yeah uh, in a non-business way it still gave me the practice in saying what i wanted and me being the center of and practicing making me the center so I can acknowledge when you're gaslighting and not right. immediately adjusting to, um, oh, he's uncomfortable. I don't want to make him uncomfortable. Yeah, like, oh. yeah. And I feel like we're taught to do that. A lot of us, I was taught to do that like for the men in my life from a very young age. I was taught to bend to whatever energy my father introduced into the room. I was taught to um, bend, it's the holidays and whatever energy the men in the room want the space to have, I was taught to bend to that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, it, it is expected of me um, now to make sure that I'm not causing a ruffle to any of the men in the space when I go for holidays or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not, I'm not doing it, which is why I'm the problem person. But like, it's, um, yeah, it's something that we're taught to do. And I feel like the expectation, it continues. And there is this expectation when you date men that you are trying to get chose or be, or you're on some sort of audition. Um, And I feel like I have to constantly remind whoever I'm dating that I'm not auditioning for anything i'm not trying to keep you i'm not doing anything you know what i'm saying i'm not doing anything and 
when you try to gaslight me um because you will or when you try to um yeah when you try to shift the energy or whatever i'm going to call it out so as long as you're comfortable with me fighting you then we can do this until I, until i'm over it you know and it's a constant battle because yeah. particularly using the tools that we have in this era i think back in the day like when i was when i was a teenager or when i in my early 20s we didn't have the things the access to the things that we have now with dating sites and apps and blah blah mm -hmm. blah, blah with the apps it's a constant reminder because niggas will be quick to tell you if you don't do something or or you have y'all have any kind of argument mm -hmm. they were quick to say oh see this is why you're on here single because mm -hmm. people can't get you can't get along with right. people you can't make any compromises right and you can't, blah 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 they will quickly throw that up in your face but i'm mm -hmm. like nigga, you all here with me motherfucker mm -hmm. <laughs> but yep. but in my mind with the tools it just seemed like it's a constant battle particularly mm -hmm. Um, in this era, and particularly as a trans woman and a black woke woman, mm -hmm. which I think that you can relate to, right. when you have those kind of ideologies that are anti-patriarchal, anti-white, mm -hmm. anti-um, anti-white supremacy, mm -hmm. and trying to be pro-black and not anti-black, right? You get these niggas coming in your inbox or coming talking to you, or you're dating them and they they they're attractive, quote unquote, and you um you're trying to see what's going on with them and then you learn some things and then when you try to be like uh, that doesn't really feel right that doesn't sound right let me tell you what i learned about this mm -hmm. oh you think you too you think you know everything or you a woman right. so you don't understand and blah, blah 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 for me i feel like the objectification that um that they put us under it's just so constant that i now at this age i just feel like it's it's almost like the more woke I get, the less desirable I become. Yes. And I'm gonna end up being a cat lady. <laughs> You're not gonna be a cat lady. <laughs> no shade to the cat ladies, yo. Shout outs to the cat ladies. We need yes. cat ladies. We need no, I, I, I think something that I have learned, right, is that the more comfortable I am in my politics and the, the more like I hold that firm and i'm open about that like in my dating like the more fulfilling the relationships that i have are right so there mm. is it is uncomfortable dating men because yes yeah, like those challenges always arise at some, it's always something at some point no matter how woke the man is that you date at some point because it's, he's still a man something patriarchal is going to come up that needs to be addressed and maybe it'll go fine when you address it or maybe it'll be like fucking weird or whatever but I think that a part of what keeps us from living in our full, like free black ass, black woman, whoever we are, truth is that when it comes to the patriarchy in particular, is that fear that we will become, the more woke we become or the more outwardly woke we are, woke for lack of a better word, the less desirable we will be. And I have found that there's a, there's a man for that. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever level of woke you are, whatever energy you're bringing, whatever you have to offer, there's a man who's fucking with that. And it's like, it's like you have no idea that they exist until you start living in that truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like people, um, I don't engage with a lot of men on social or, or anywhere, unless, unless we are considering a relationship because I don't like to be exhausted, right? So 
um, for those men who do engage with me on social or whatever, or those who see me perhaps um, on an episode of The Grapevine and assume that assume my dating prospects because of my politics, or that I'm I'm angry and don't have a man, or that um, or that I don't fuck with men or whatever, right? Because um, I mean I don't, but I have sex with them. But like you know what I mean. But um, who assume that I'm so like anti man that that there's nobody um, treating me right or whatever? Like I have awesome, tender, fucking dope ass relationships and motherfuckers treat me tender. And that's another thing that I affirm as um, somebody trying to dismantle the patriarchy and specifically as a black woman is that I'm a tender ass bitch. I'm tender, talk to me nice, talk to me soft. I know that I'm tall and I have a deep voice. So I have to remind you that I'm a tender ass bitch because you're going to try and treat me like I'm like one of your homeboys and that you don't have to apologize and you can hurt me and I'm allegedly strong or whatever the fuck. Talk to me nice. I'm a tender ass bitch. And I have to remind whoever I'm dating, I have to remind them of that um, pretty regularly. But it's it's a reference point so that you know when I have a problem with with what you're doing, it's because I'm a tender ass bitch and you're talking to me crazy now i don't know who you don't talk to me like that talk to me tender talk to me nice and it it actually reminds me of uh and i love like like our those who came before us but it reminds me of um her name is escaping me right now but that conversation that she had with james baldwin you know who i'm talking about um Nikki Giovanni. Thank you. It reminds me of that conversation that she had with James Baldwin that we've been seeing that clip kind of float around from back in the day where she's like, bring me the best of you when you come right. home. Bring me the best of you, like, regardless to what you're going through, because I'm bringing you the best of me. You know what I'm saying? So, like, talk to me fucking nice. We're both dealing with crazy shit in the streets. Talk to me fucking nice. And I you think that... You don't come home and abuse me as, yes. as a reaction to the fucking man fucking you over right we both dealing with that so exactly when you touch me bring me the love that you want so i can give you the love back to you exactly and and it doesn't it no matter how deep my voice is no matter what the fuck my pronouns are no matter how you feel like you know i'm i'm down and i could also like give you dap because that's how i move no matter that we're both dressed in tims and practically the same outfit because i just want to wear the same clothes as my partner like no matter what i'm telling you i'm a tender ass bitch so treat me that way Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and i know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because i put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch i am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you i really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything else, please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? 
Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. Since we're having this tender ass bitch conversation about black women, as light skinned women, we are also treated with a tenderness that a lot of dark skinned women are not mm-hmm. granted. And so I want to affirm that that. I want to affirm that experience as well, though I I don't date men who do not also date dark-skinned women as just a practice. Like, that's not a part of my politic, but I cannot pretend, uh, I cannot not acknowledge that I'm sure that there are people who treat me with tenderness that they might not treat my dark-skinned women counterparts with. And it's important that I acknowledge that, um, even though that is something that I struggle with, there are dark-skinned women who battle that's an uphill battle for them every day yes, you know right. in ways that i'll never know you know right. what i'm saying and this is for somebody who's listening we we're we're woke about our light skin so we can say stuff like that but say that you're mm-hmm. a light-skinned girl that's listening to this what we're telling you in the same that we talk about um white people we say like yo it's not poor white people um it's not that you don't have oppression or you don't have pressure or you don't have some kind of war thing that you got to deal with but your whiteness is not one of those things that's making it that that's making you a problem so right. for us yes it's not like it, me being light-skinned is not gonna um that doesn't come with its own layer mm-hmm. of problems or pressure just because i'm like saying you think i'm stuck up or just be da 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 but what we're saying is that our light skin gives can lead men to treat us a little bit more tender, not mm-hmm. fully tender, like we right. don't got no problems. Right. But for a dark skin girl who where the dark skin is stereotyped as rough, not less than tender, right? Not tender, right? Yes, not yes. tender, not blah, deserving blah, blah. of care and yeah. delicateness or whatever. We're reminded. Or, Yes, yes. All Black women are deserving of that care and delicateness that many of us are denied. You know what I'm saying? Just as a standard. However, the lighter you are, the more likely, the closer to whiteness you appear, the more likely you are to be treated with a certain tenderness that is not afforded every Black woman. So I just want to, even though I, I do struggle with receiving tenderness in my relationships and I fight for that, I do want to acknowledge that I have privilege in that area and there right. are people who have to fight for that shit even stronger even more. than I do. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I remember this nigga, I was coming from the store and I, and I, sometimes I, I hear light-skinned bitches like complain about certain shit. And I'm like, I, I know you're going through the same shit that I go through. I know you mm-hmm. get the same ignite, the same uh, affirmations that what these dark-skinned girls is telling you is the right. fucking truth. Because right. I remember I went to, I was coming from the store and I was walking past and these niggas. And um, he, he, he like walked up to me. He was like, damn, baby girl. Blah, 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 typical, typical shit. He was like, I love red bitches. Like, I would mm-hmm. never fuck with a dark-skinned girl. Y'all, y'all just, you yeah. just, I just, da 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 Delete, and blah, blah. ignore, and deny. And I turned around, I was like, is that supposed to be cute to me? Right, right, Now, right, when I was right. younger and what and woke, I would be like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would be like, uh-huh, yeah. Right. Not, I wouldn't say that I'm like anything like I'm better than dark-skinned girls, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't check him. I would be right. like, oh, you silly boy, mm-hmm. and think mm-hmm. that's cute because you are attracted to me, especially right. as a trans woman who don't get that kind of love and you affirming my womanhood, da-da-da. I would be like, oh, that's cute, da 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 Anyway, whatever. But when I got older, it started to, and more work, more woke, I would be, I would literally be like, 
nigga, like you is that supposed to be attractive to me? That's anti-black as fuck. I'm a at yeah. the end of the day, I'm a black woman and I don't want to date a motherfucker that's anti-black. Mm-hmm. I don't need to hear that shit. That shit ain't cute. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's my place to tell him that shit ain't cute. I don't need it to is. reward yeah. him. I don't right. need to reward him in that in that mindset that is marginalized another group of one another group of women mm-hmm. that I care about. Get the mm-hmm. fuck out of here. So for me, if you are not acknowledging that that shit happens and you making it seem like it doesn't happen, bitch, you yeah. lie. Yeah, <laughs> bitch, you mm-hmm. lying. Check that shit at the door mm-hmm. so that we can. Not only right, yeah. Not only are you lying if you deny that that happens, but you're also not doing your part. You know what I'm right. saying? Like it's a, a part of our responsibility as people with light skin privilege is to do our part in dismantling colorism. You know what I'm right. saying? And so if you deny that it exists and you off bat, off jump, off rip, you, we know you're not doing your part if you're pretending that it's not a thing that's happening. Right. You know? So yeah, no, you have to, a part of doing our part in that is naming it as a thing or, and bringing that shit up when nobody fucking asked me. You didn't ask me about that shit, but we have mm-hmm. to, you know, we have to be sure that we are naming and claiming our privilege um, as, a, as a means of dismantling that shit. How do you balance, how do you, because I, not necessarily, I just feel like race is kind of, um, it's easier for me to balance it because I can, I can, it's, it's such a big, huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my transness, I, I, it's like a parallel thing happening too. Mm-hmm. How do you, and I can see, I'm, I can maybe feel like you um, might can relate to this as a black woman. Mm-hmm. How do you ba- how do you know balance when it's a fetish and when it's just they're into you? How do you balance? I want you to like my light skin. I want you right. to like how I look. I want you right. to like how I feel. And I want you to like, I want you to like everything about me. Mm-hmm. I want you to love it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want you to fetish it. I don't want that to be the only reason why you like me. I don't want yeah. that to be the main reason why you like me. How do you balance that? I honestly, I don't need, I don't like, I don't do compliments on like my complexion. Like usually I feel like you could smell it. Like you could, like there's so many other things to compliment me on. Like I didn't do anything to get this complexion. I didn't, I didn't do anything. It's not uh, my blackness my kinky hair, my features, uh, my facial features. Um, yeah, sure. I guess my not whiteness, but my, I don't need a complexion compliment. Any complexion compliments to me are a red flag. Any Mm. of that is a red flag. I don't date anybody who only date light-skinned women. I don't date anybody who only dates women, um, with a certain kind of hair. You know what I'm saying? With like a, a, you know, straight hair. If you if you don't date 4C girls, or if I'm your first 4C girl, that's odd. Um, I don't care what they tell me. Like if, if there's a pattern of you only date light-skinned women, I don't really want to be a part of it. You know what I mean? Right. And um, yeah, I usually ask that, like just in dating pretty early. I am also, um, colorism exists everywhere, but I feel like I have experienced more conversations about color when I date men from um elsewhere in the country like men who are from outside of New York yeah um 
So I, it's a red flag to me when somebody I'm hanging out with is always mentioning my complexion, whether it be to say something good or to make fun of it, because I, I also feel, and I love a good joke. If it's fucking funny, then that's fine. But if you right. say something that's just the, the punchline is ah, light skin. Yeah. That's like, what is this? But I find um, often that in relationship with people who do that, whether it be uh, friends or potential romantic partners, I find that there is an element of um, anti-blackness and uh, preferential colorism towards light-skinned folks, even in those jokes. It's like this hyper-awareness. Like, why are you so hyper? What's happening in this moment that you are so hyper-aware of my complexion that you are making those kinds of comments? And that, to me, even if they're saying disparaging things, about my complexion, unless they're hilarious, because I like hilarious. But if they're just saying disparaging things about my my complexion, that also leads me to believe that they are um, that they are colorist, like anti dark skin, anti black, because of this hyper. What is this hyper awareness that's happening uh-huh. right now? So yeah, so anything like that, I don't give a shit how smart you think I am or whatever. That's a a red flag um, to me. So I have never dated anyone who I felt like, oh, they say colorist things, but they, I could tell they really like me for me. Cause it, cause I don't Mm. like the fact that they're colorist in any direction, whether they really fucks with me or not, I don't want to fuck with you. So yeah. So I haven't, yeah, I haven't really had to, um, to balance that. I would say the first time I ever really dealt with that was I was like 13 and I was dating this guy. We already had liked each other and was hanging out. Da, 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 da. And then one day he was like, yeah, me and my brother, we always date the light-skinned shorties. And I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. And like, I knew he liked me, but also I didn't know you were colorists. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think that was the first time uh, and the closest I came to. I know a lot of people have younger, light-skinned, dark-skinned stories. I was, I didn't really grow up with that. Um so that would like all of my my three siblings we're light-skinned because of my dad and my mom um primarily my dad's side gave us this uh abomination no i'm just kidding but um but yeah all of my cousins who i saw on the regular were all dark skin brown skin all different colors i didn't think about my complexion until i went to college and i was like oh these are my cousins or whatever and they're like oh your family is dark skin i hadn't even considered like the dynamics of all of that anyway i say all that to say i didn't i know a lot of people grow up with all kinds of color stuff as they're coming of age i didn't really experience that we talked about color just so that you would like be aware of shit but i didn't really experience like the a colorism thing until i was dating this boy and he was like yeah we always date the light-skinned shorties like it was a a thing like there was weight to that um and yeah so for me it was it was more um when I was it, I come from a Mississippi country ass family, right? So it was constant. It's it's mm-hmm. constant there. But navigating the world as a little boy, it was very different. When I was younger, when I transitioned to be diamond, mm-hmm. the difference in colorism in the disparities between I was really conscious the disparities between colorism and dark skinned men and light skinned mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. There is a difference because light skin, dark skin men have 
because dark skin, quote unquote, is associated with masculinity and being more mm. masculine and da 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 da, that actually is a privilege on the male side. Not when saying it comes that to dating, when it comes, when to, it comes dating. to dating, not right. saying that light skin and pretty eyes and curly hair doesn't give privilege to light skinned men. Right. I, I don't. I think that that um, the disparity is smaller between mm. dark skinned men and light skinned men. But right. when you come over to the woman side, mm-hmm. that disparity is much, much larger. That right. wide gap of privilege is, to me, in my experience, yeah. is much larger and much more pronounced. Mm-hmm. Like you, when I was a little child, you didn't really hear it too. You heard it sometimes, but not too much. But once I start navigating the world as a light-skinned woman, yeah. It was totally different. You started mm-hmm. to hear it. You started to pay attention to what was being said. You started to see it in magazines. And maybe it's because I was navigating as a woman. Right. But it just it just was totally different. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, I feel you. As I got older, I really had to balance, particularly about my transness. Um, I really had to balance and really be conscious of when is this being a fetish? Mm-hmm. When is this being, I'm just really into you. Mm-hmm. Um, and colorism is one of the things. Like I, yeah. I started to pay attention, like, oh, this is just a colorist thing in you. It's not just mm-hmm. you're into me. But sometimes mm-hmm. it is, you're just into me and you right. just like me. And so that's, I wanted to know if you had to, if you um, experienced mm-hmm. that too. So. I think also, I mean, I yeah, I do experience. I think, I think also... Um, I'm a 4C girl and like all of my other features are pretty uh, stereotypical black girl. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think that there is texturism. I think that that, that shit plays a factor into it. Like a lot of the things that come with a certain affinity for light skinnedness, I don't really have those things. Like I am a light skin, I'm light skinned. That's where it stops. You know what I'm saying? And so, <laughs> and so it does exist. I do pay attention to it, look out for it, and, and do my best to avoid colorism at all costs. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of those things in terms of like uh, what men desire, it's like, you know, the, the, hand, the hair they can put their hands through and like, you know what I'm saying? It's a certain, mm. a certain look of whiteness that aside from being light-skinned, I don't really have, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So there are so many unique things about you. But one of them that I think that is that is um, so that is more unique than other things is your demisexuality. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to talk about that and especially in regards to like hookup culture and mm-hmm. just to kind of explore how you navigate that in the world that we live in now. So right. demisexual is defined as they don't experience like that this typical sexual arousal or sexual desire without like an emotional connection to someone can you is yeah, that like do you agree with that or attraction, attraction? Mm-hmm. Um, i would that? say yeah i would i would agree with that i think that there for a long time because i had heard this explained so i didn't come to this realization um until a few years ago right because i i had heard of it before the first time i heard of it it felt so like black black and white like so like you either are attracted to people 
physically and and that works for you or not or you know what i mean it was just so this or that that i didn't really identify with it because i am a very sexual person um but as i learned more about it as i heard other people talk more about it i identified with that feeling of i'm very rarely just physically attracted to people you know and so i need i need more i need to have a conversation i need to have an experience with you i need to have a connection before i can feel anything when i was younger a lot of times somebody i would know that someone else that somebody was attractive because somebody else said it like somebody would be like oh he's cute and i'll be like oh, okay cool <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i guess that's what that's what cuteness is all right all right yeah I'll date them they seem nice sure um in my adult life that has manifested itself as i would go on dates with people and i'm a great date so I always have a good time right so there's that I have that working against me diamond but um <laughs> you know if i had a, a good enough time and there wasn't any there weren't any red flags i would like give it another chance i feel like certain dates i would give more chances than i needed to because i'm demisexual and because I don't know if I'm not attracted to this person because we're really not a good match mm. or because I don't really like anybody because I don't really feel um, connected. So I'm like giving it this chance to build this vibe in order for me to feel some kind of sexual connection. And I think that, uh, or attraction. And I think that there were times when I was right about that and was like, okay, I'm glad that I gave this another go. Um, and there were other times it was like, I kept, like all right i guess i'll you know sure try it again this person is nice enough and you know see where it goes or whatever and it just really was just a bad call but i just it was hard for me to make to really gauge it because i'm not really attracted to anyone you know what i'm saying so i do have a type that's the other thing that had initially um i wasn't sure maybe i'm not demisexual because i do i do have a type but it's so specific and it's so rare that i meet my type or match my type or find so my type is, is really just big like are you tall like i like <laughs> aka everybody's type right everybody's <laughs> type right are you tall? i like tall like big solid dudes so you could be um you could be like big and um identify as fat you can be tall and big and muscular you could be tall and big and any any variety tall and sizable man right tall sizable person um but also okay that's my type physically but also like are you smart are, are you all yeah. all the other things like are you tall and sizable and do i like looking at you or whatever so like and in new york i feel like men just grow to the size of the container right in new york it's such a small like <laughs> everybody's apartment is small we're packed in so it's not a lot of that here but um but yeah, so I, I felt like there were times when I would come across someone like that and there were times when we would have a connection, but that was so rare. So usually I'm dating someone who doesn't fit that necessary, you know, that type per se. Um, so I'm giving myself space and time to like really get to know them and really connect. But it was it did feel for a long time like something is wrong with me like something is wrong with me everyone is having a you know easy to connect with people easy to be attracted to them like i said i go on dates i have a, i'm a great date i have a great time it's great i don't 
feel anything like you know what i mean it's just really that was really challenging and so it was comforting at a big age as a big grown person to hear like oh there are other people who have this experience this is not something that genesia is like doomed to not understand how to navigate um so yeah i would say that that's a relief but uh, but also i think that i was initially put off by you know all of us want to be able to put things in one box you know what i'm saying i had this wait, conversation wait, wait. So with my dad before, because i posted yes go ahead. before you go on because i wanted i really want to what because what you're talking about now is about boxes and categories and labels right yes so mm -hmm. i really want to give a little bit of context before you go on mm -hmm. so there is a terminology like a label paradox and the paradox is that labels are not that important and the flip side is labels are super important. Yes. So it's a paradox that happens when we come to, and we're talking about a label of demisexuality. And this is just something that is not norm. You know, the normals are homosexuality, mm -hmm. heterosexuality, blah, blah, blah. This is something that's a little bit out the box. It may not be as popular. So, and, and then some people will be listening and say, girl, I like that. I like to, I like to get more connected to yes. people. And it's just a little bit Thank different. You. It's different. It's a it's little different. bit different. So the paradox, I want to explain that a little bit more. So finding, understand that finding out what label somebody uses um, and understand the language that they use when they're talking to themselves, that is like the first step in showing that you respect and understanding that you're listening to them. So when when you when somebody give you a label and a category, and this can range from a sexual sexual orientation, it can range from you know a gender identity. It can, it's so it's in, uh, blackness, um, like race, like what you want to be considered, whatever label a category that they want you to call them. To them, it is really important <laughs> because it lets you let them know that you are open and lets you know that that you respect and you're listening to them and you want to convey what that you want to respect their identity and their ability to self-define but on the flip side of how it's not important is that there are there's a reason why these things are meaningless in the sense that it's just to get you in the door because there never is going to be a consensus about what these yes, terms mean. Mm -hmm. There's never gonna be a, um, a blanket statement that's gonna cover everybody. Think about transgender. That word, so many people think about that word differently. Think about blackness. We sitting here, we got a whole black woman about to be vice president and you got people talking about, but she's not black. And the mm -hmm. other side talking about, she is black. Yeah. Oh, she's biracial. And like, we don't see biracial black people and all this kind of stuff. We having these kind of conversations. Nobody is going to have the consistency. So it really, you know, it, you can't, it, it doesn't really mean anything because everybody doesn't agree. And mm -hmm. also in order for you to actually make a connection with people, that particular label, is really not important in you making um and in in, in in dealing with their needs in dealing with their concerns in dealing with their experiences that label is just the beginning the key to kind of get them to pay attention to let them know that you care but their needs are deeper than their labels mm -hmm. their concerns are deeper than their labels their their um experiences are much much more deeper deeper than their labels so understand that when we're 
when we're exploring these new terms and these new ideas, that is just to give someone who may be under this label an idea of, oh, aha, aha, this might be me. This might be explaining what I've been feeling because I don't have the experience that Jay just described. When I see a dude, the physicality immediately hits me. The sexual mm -hmm. attraction immediately hits me. I either am not into you or I am. It doesn't need to be, there doesn't need to be an emotional connection when I see a guy. Some, some of them I'm not initially attracted to. I'm not initially like, oh my God, I bet he'd be a good lay. Or I bet you, I want to see him naked. Or da, 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 da. Some mm -hmm. dudes I'm not initially attracted to, but then when I do talk to them, it's like, oh, he kind of brilliant. Oh, and then it kind of sparks, but I don't need that connection. So I wanted to kind of just break that down for people who may be listening. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. But when, right. So when I first heard of it, it sounded so specific and it was like, yeah, I feel like that most of the time, but once in a blue, I will come across somebody and be like, oh, so that's a man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> every, every once in a while, <laughs> every once in a while, I'll come across somebody be like, okay, all right, I feel a thing. Is this what y'all be talking about? This is the thing y'all be feeling? Um, so I didn't, I felt like because there were, were times when I did feel sexual attraction as, as, aside from like a, a different that okay well, maybe i'm not demisexual but so much of the rest of the time i feel like okay sure you can say that that person's cute sure they're cute or just so um disconnected in that particular way and it felt really when i found out that like it's a thing like before that i felt kind of broken it was like okay well i guess that part of me just doesn't work and that's just what it is i don't the way i always described it was i don't really like people they're ugly i don't like them that's just it, right? And so I would date um, in hopes that I would feel a connection with somebody and we could really vibe. And then, you know, sexual attraction would come from that. And to your point, I'm so glad you said that. A lot of people would be like, oh, well, that's just how I like to date anyway. There's a difference between like making a choice to I prefer to get to know someone before I sleep with them than to I have to get to know someone before I sleep with them or grow intimate with them because otherwise I don't, there's not, there's nothing there. This is not really a, it's not, so, rarely is it a choice for me to do that. Right. Um, so and, how were you navigating hookup culture? Cause just earlier you were like, you know, I, there was a time yes. when, I, when, when you, what, what's the song on um, Insecure, Broken Pussy, when I was, when I, yes. when I got my shit I definitely had ready. broken pussy. <laughs> when I got a new pussy, I was out here. But that for me, for me, that meant like, like the first guy I had a one night stand with, it was our second date and we had been texting for weeks. It might've, honestly, it might've been months that we were texting, but we weren't like, talking to each other on the phone all the time. We weren't hanging out as much. It was only our second date. All of our other communications had been via text while I was doing other stuff. You know, they were, they were good. I was like into the, in, that, that was another thing. So we had, we were creating some connection over text, which is why I'm one of those people who I don't think that uh, texting is not real. I don't think that social media is not real. Like those are, bridges of communication for me you know what i'm right. saying so like i've never had a one night stand where i was like out 
at a bar, you know, having drinks and laughing. And then I went home with this guy like that's never happened to me. So my versions of one night stands are the second date I had with this guy. And like our first date was a quick, you know, drink at a bar. And then our second date was another quick drink at a bar, but we were laughing and like, but so many weeks of connection had already been made. And so my, my hookup culture is I was hooking up with him and I was dating some guy who had already been new from before, but we had just started dating and hooking up again. And then perhaps someone else who was also someone who I had been texting with for a long time and had, there was a foundation of something there already so that when we did meet for perhaps the second time, it was like, oh, this is like, this is a vibe. So vibe was created. It's you almost know? like a like a car. Like your sexuality has to warm up. Yes, yes. That's what, how I imagine it, it has to right. warm up, and, and how that warmer happens is in that communication, that bridge of communication. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Have you ever yeah. been in a situation where you thought like you were dating someone and it was going really, really well, but because you weren't giving them the sexual energy? that they thought that you should, that they thought that you weren't into them? Have you ever been in that situation? Because um, I, I would think, think as a demisexual that it would come up, like, because you're kind of just going with the flow and you could be enjoying their company, right. but you're not giving off the sexual vibe because it hasn't got there. You ain't warmed up yet. And they're yeah. like, well, she be going out on a date, but mm-hmm. she don't, it's not giving me the vibe that she want to fuck. I'm a very, so I am a very sexual person also, like on top of being a demisexual. So I usually, there's never been anyone who I did actually like who I wasn't being um, sexual with, right? Because I really, I don't know. The the thing would be, I didn't know if I liked you yet. I have trouble with that. I have trouble with that too. So unless we are on, like if we're on a date, I can better flirt with you because I know what we're here to do. We're here to get to know each other and potentially it be a thing so I can flirt. I am terrible going out with a bunch of friends. And like, let's say we, it could even be so cute and casual as like being at a housewarming and actually meeting friends of friends. If, and again, I mostly date men. So if a man is flirting with me in this environment, that's not like a date. Like, I don't really know what to do. I'm a charming person. So I'm usually, you know, if I'm in a talkative mood, I'm usually joking and laughing anyway. But the flirting thing is very, I'm not good at it. So, and that's in the most comfortable of situations, like in somebody's house or something, but like at a bar and somebody's trying to give me the fucking eye or whatever, I am, I don't. (laughs) You don't pick up. I don't pick up. And then often if I do pick up, I get afraid because I don't like you. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) I I already know I don't like you because nothing has happened. I don't know you. And so I don't like you. And so it's very, it's, and no one ever comes to me who is my exact type. And even when that happens, I get a little bit scared because I do still need a second. I do. I need (laughs) like the times that I have hooked up or connected with a guy who is my exact type of like big sizable dude who is also whatever brand of woke I'm into in that moment or whatever like we were still texting for some time we had met via one of these apps or whatever and it just happened to work when we did finally like connect but 
yeah really bad at the like impromptu flirting that whole game like that's another like just like going out um when i was that age where it was like hey we're gonna go out and maybe meet other people that's never like that for me you know what i mean so i just like to i just always like to just let me just be having fun with whoever i'm with wherever mm. i'm at because i am the chances of me connecting with anyone this evening are like Low. slim to yeah that's <laughs> not yeah so I what mm -mm. What I also a scenario just just it was kind of cool. Not I don't want to say good. I guess yeah, it was kind of cool to go down the wormhole of like researching this because I, I was thinking about situations that you could potentially be in. Mm -hmm. So that was one. But another one is it seems like you would fall in love with a friend quite unexpectedly or quite often. Like say somebody that you're hanging out with and your yeah. friend with. I yeah. could see a demisexual falling in love with a friend who is because y'all not in a dating potential mm -hmm. i could see you falling in love with a friend and they're like um and they don't know it right right well i don't believe in male friends because men are garbage <laughs> <laughs> so there's that so that makes it easy but i okay. have been in work situations where yeah where it happened like that and so now I've, i yes yes i feel like i'm one for developing a crush on somebody so work environments where i have to see someone every day and we've gotten to know each other those are like prime um potential dating disasters of course you, know, you can't just be fucking dating everybody you work with but yeah that so those situations scenarios where i'm around this person often that's that's yeah that's the easiest way for me to like connect with people mm. Mm -hmm. then i could see a situations where you're like in a guilt situation because people thinking you are a prude or you're frustrating people by not valuing the act of sex as much as they do so you mm -hmm. could be in a situation where um you're just kind of having sex out of obligation have you been in that situation Yes, as a younger person, kind of, yeah, just kind of going through most the motion of it. Um, yes, and then not really, yeah, not not being into it. Or I've been in situations because I'm uh, uh, because of this, because of being demisexual, where I feel like, um, where I feel like I don't know what it is a lot of times to really like someone. Right. Mm. So I've been in relationships with people who I didn't really like all that much, but it's like, we got so far into this. I don't really like you, but also I don't know that if we end this, I don't know that I'll ever like anyone. You mm. know what I mean? Because the, the added thing to all of this, like this is a cute conversation, but the added layer to this is the fucking patriarchy. patriarchy. Yes. And so even if, even if I wasn't demisexual and my attraction was like status quo and I was sexually attracted to men or whatever, like the patriarchy is such a fucking turnoff that like, if I'm dating somebody who is not on that patriarchy shit, we our politics are similar and everything is fine. I've been in relationships with really great people and everything is fine. It's like, like I don't have the experience where if I end this with you, I know that there's something, a, there's a better attraction out there because I haven't really had those loves or attractions or connections with people at that level. And the times that I did, because of the patriarchy and because of how toxic those exchanges were part of me associated 
that level of attraction with toxicity. You know what I'm saying? So right now I'm dating somebody who I am very attracted to and there's not that level of toxicity. Um, but this is very rare. This is rare for me. I'm not like, this is, it's very, it's new. It's new as fuck. Mm. Like that energy. Um, because the few times that I have really liked someone, there was this like patriarchal toxicity there. And the times when it wasn't there, I didn't like them that much. And that was like freeing even. Um, but yeah, all of it is confusing. And I feel like demisexuality puts a layer of like, confusion kind of to it because it's it's really like what am i what am i really feeling here what should i be prioritizing um so yeah do you have a fear of sharing your demisexuality with people that you're potentially dating to avoid like um feeling like you're less attractive or to avoid feeling like you you will be turned into a conquest because i feel like that would be a problem Mm. too where if somebody feels like oh, she's one of them girls that you got to really get close to her. So mm-hmm. she probably don't have a lot of partners. And, ooh, so let me, how, can I turn this into, I can, oh, I can, I can conquer her. Did right. you, have you ever, been, or were you um, ever scared to share that or experience that? I think because I've only been identifying this way over the last few years, like I've only just come to really understand what this is all about um, or have a label for it rather. I have not experienced that as much as I have been dating, like my the recent people who I have been dating, I did let them know, but I think I let them know after I was already with the shits. So after I already established that I think that I actually like this person, um, mm-hmm. that's when I talked about it. It did, um, there was a guy who I was talking to virtually because of Corona Quarantino. We have been talking virtually. We, we, we built a connection virtually, strong vibes, strong connection, um, sexting, uh, FaceTime, sex calls, all of that good fun stuff. And we fell off for a minute and then he tried to come back with the sexting and all of that other stuff. And I had to remind him, I was like, hey, I know I mentioned this before, but I'm, I'm demisexual. So like, I don't like a part of why I was into you was because you were talking to me nice and treating me tender and shit. And we had a connection, you know what I'm saying? And while I'm a very sexual person, I'm not really attracted to you right now. Cause we don't have anything right now. Like there's nothing, even though this is just over text, this is just over the phone, you disappeared and we have no, which is really like, doesn't really mean that much. And Honestly, if I felt anything, I would be down with this video of your dick. But like, I don't feel anything because we don't have anything right now. I need to have something. So that worked before. It worked before, but it can't work now because I'm not warmed up. Right, (laughs) right. You had warmed me up before. We had a thing before and now we don't have anything except that we used to text last month. But I need to if you're trying to like do this again, you have to start over. Like that's not. Yeah, it's just you can't just come back with it. Um, and I'm communicating that a lot of dudes don't understand that sometimes I'm just communicating. So, you know, I'm just communicating. This is how I think. So if you're not, if you don't understand how I think, then it's not about me being difficult. I'm just telling you, this is a roadblock. If you're trying to get me to be where you want me to be, this is the hurdle that you got to cross. Yeah. So I do usually tell people, but I don't typically share that like super early in our 
text exchanges or whatever it, it if it comes up in conversation then yeah but yeah i haven't i haven't had that experience where somebody felt it was a conquest but also men are garbage and i'm so easily turned off by anyone that feels like dating me in any way is any kind of conquest that i would just mm -hmm. shut that down you know pretty early yeah. but i'm i'm pretty comfortable with the shutdown like like i think thinking of dating in abundance like if you believe that there are quality dudes out there and um if you're someone who dates dudes if you believe there are quality dudes out there like i feel like as um as black women who date men and i feel like we were taught that there aren't enough good black men out there and we were taught to kind of buy into this scarcity model and i feel like kind of what you were talking about before there's an extra layer to that when you come to a certain type of uh liberation when you come to a certain type of consciousness it's like the pool seems to become even smaller right because now you want to make sure that you're, the person you're dating is not fucking colorist transphobic classist elitist uh, ableist all that shit um but i feel like just as we approach anything else i feel like it's important to approach dating in terms of like abundance and not scarcity so a part of thinking in abundance is being able to tell somebody who i feel like is looking at me as a competition like oh i'm not okay well, we're not doing this or someone one time just in the early stages of texting on tinder was asking me a bunch of questions and it started to feel like an interview. Like he was being kind of jokey with it and I guess it was supposed to be okay, but it was like a certain series and I was like, this is just to give you a heads up, this is starting to feel like an interview and I'm not really feeling that, that energy. Um, so he apologized and switched it up and it was okay. He unmatched me, which perfect, that's fantastic. But if I was concerned with this scarcity, I might have just rolled that out because the interview doesn't last forever. You know what I'm saying? I might have just wrote it out and taken it from there. But I think it's important that we approach uh, our dating life with the same thoughts of like abundance that we tell ourselves to approach other things, you know? You have a lot of trans folks that listen to this podcast and you are one of the women who I think have um, just great politics around transness when it comes to who you date and how you date. And I wanted to share that because a lot of times within our community as trans women, there is a vitriol that happens when we talk about cis women because they don't meet women who mm. are trans affirming. Right. And, and, and it's an actual practice in their life. Mm -hmm. So I want, can you, you just talked about not wanting to date somebody who's transphobic. Can you talk about how you um, navigate dating and transphobia as a cis woman who dates men? Yeah. Um, something that I have been trying to do and be more proactive with in my dating of late is to make sure that I'm asking people who I date, asking them, who do they love? You know what I mean? Just making sure that I, I set the tone that this is, when it comes to that, that this is a safe space. You know what I'm saying? And so we're talking about all kinds of stuff. We're talking about the kind of sex that we had. We're talking about the places that we've been. We're talking about everything. And so um, when, I, when I ask, oh, who do you love? Do you, um, do you only date? straight women do you only date women do you date trans women like it's important to me that i make it so that whoever i'm dating feels comfortable sharing that with me and that i also affirm that especially as somebody who um 
usually when I start dating someone, I am ethically exploring ethical non-monogamy to an extent. It's important that I affirm also, um, cause a lot of, I've, I've only had this experience with one person, like this particular line of like questioning and open communication, make, being, being proactive with that. Um, so when he says no, or if he says no, just making sure that I'm saying, okay, well, if that's something that you decide in the course of our relationship that you want to explore in terms of like your dating life or the people that you're dating, just know that I'm comfortable with that. Or if it's something that you're curious about and, and want to talk about, I'm comfortable with having those conversations as well. So that's something that I've been trying to make sure that I'm proactive about and not being silent about um, when it comes to being in community with Black trans women, which I think is something that we have to be, we can't just silently, we, we can't just say, stop killing them without doing something or finding something that we can do when we know that we engage with these people the people who kill black trans women we are we engage with them they're in our community we date them we know them you know and so a part of me making sure that the person i'm dating is not transphobic that's a part of that conversation and making sure that i'm not creating an environment of trans phobia through my silence you know what i'm saying and not talking about it at all you know yeah and then and understanding if you're a cis woman listening to this this is not saying oh here we go pick up another burden to the the cis black women because mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not saying that um this whole uh epidemic of trans women being murdered is is cis women's fault that that is ridiculous for somebody right. to even think that what we're saying is that just in the same way that we were just talking about light-skinned women and how mm -hmm. we have a responsibility to say and do things to dismantle and do our work to dismantle colorism, there is everybody, cis men, gay, cis men, lesbians, trans women, trans men, we all have the work to do to dismantle transphobia. Mm -hmm. And so this is just, this is our way to me of saying that this is the things that you can do to contribute to dismantle that. This this does if you if you don't want to, cool. But if you if you believe in that you that transphobia should be dismantled, right. if you're not a bigot, if you are, if you you feel that th this is something important to dismantle, then mm -hmm. this is the part of the work. This is the part of the work about um, making the making space for people to be comfortable to talk about their, their trans attraction. As a uh, cis, you know, quote unquote, straight woman for all intents and purposes, I think that when we talk about it, like how you say, this is not saying we're adding another burden or we're throwing something else onto your plate, right? As a cis straight woman, I think that for all of us who experience privilege at whatever intersection of privilege you are, the cost of your privilege, what you what you offer in exchange, like the you have you have we have privilege as cis women. It is important that we fucking I was gonna use a bad me metaphor like pay your fare or whatever the fuck, but like it's not it's not a burden. Like I I feel like um I feel like a lot of people with privilege interpret taking steps that seem extra, interpret it as a burden. But if you are not doing this work, your privilege comes at the expense of somebody. You know what I'm saying? And so if you are not doing the work to dismantle whatever system um, allows you whatever privilege you have, 
you just you just kind of like being you're a leash you're a leash to the system you're you're fucking i'm just trying to communicate that it shouldn't be seen as a burden you know what i'm saying it should be seen the price to pay for the privilege that you have i know that you know that diamond but no, no, I, no, i'm I, saying i totally get you and right. i think if you're not if you're looking at it as a burden you to me I feel like you're like those the, the Karens of the world yeah. who don't want to fix the problem. Right. And at any moment, they, they can say, oh, I'm not racist. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But at any moment, they're on that phone calling the police. A black man is attacking right. in the rumble. Right. Or is right. that is it, the rumble? Is that how you say it? He's mm-hmm. <laughs> attacking me in the, in the rumble. Mm-hmm. And you're, you'll be that person. You're yeah. saying it's a burden because you really don't want to give up that power and give up right and it is it is really um for those of us who don't want to risk our standing with ever with whatever man we're dating like that's another honestly another way to test their homophobia like if there are people who would be so turned off even that you would have the quote-unquote nerve to ask that question you know what i'm saying to me that's a red flag there i don't want to i don't want to date you if you can't handle me asking who you love when Mm. all of us love so many different kinds of people like um but i know that there are those of us who just want to maintain that status quo and don't want to make someone upset by asking that question and are comfortable dating people upset at considering that trans folks exist you know what i'm saying and and um yeah that's that's a part of the problem too It's, it's really not enough to just to just say stop killing trans women it's really yeah. not enough to just say um that we should all be equal or whatever the fuck like we have to really think about what we're doing you know and where that and understand where that transphobia lies so if you are saying stop killing trans women oh i love trans women but then if your guy friend and this doesn't say that you don't have a right to feel this <laughs> if your guy friend if you don't want to date somebody that dates trans women it's okay for you to wa- not want that, but understand that that's transphobia. <laughs> understand that mm-hmm. that's what it is and accept that, right. yeah, I may be, because I'm, I, as a trans woman, I may have some weird um, double standard in regards to some kind of another situation. Cause I'm, I'm kind of like that and not in tra- about transness, but about just other, other things that I might be uncomfortable, especially like in the position that he takes in the bedroom, I might not want to date somebody that's a bottom or I might not want, I might have some weird stuff like that. And that's where I'm at. It might be problematic, but I'm admitting that this may be problematic. So don't try to say that, Oh, I, I like trans people, but I don't want, cause there's dudes, let me give you a perfect example. Mm-hmm. There's a dude who I was dating years ago. Like I'm, I'm talking about like 2004, 2005. That was the first time we hooked up and we may have had a hooked up again, maybe in 2012. But because we had a, just a, a, a mind connection, we stayed friends. We didn't hook up again, but we stayed friends. And so we would talk and talk about gaming, just talk about shit outside of sex. Cause we mm-hmm. didn't live around each other and blah, 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 blah. He started dating this girl. This is maybe like 10 years outside of um, us hooking up. Mm-hmm. And he would ask me, he would come to contact me in a, about advice with women. And he was like, I want to tell her that I have had an experience 
because we're in the stage of our dating where we're talking about sex and things that we've done in the past. Right. And he says, I want to tell her that I messed around with a trans woman because she has told me that she has had a bisexual experience or a gay experience with a woman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she considers herself not necessarily bi. She's like, she like queen where queen is like, I, I romantically like men, but I'll right. include a woman. But queen does identify as bi, but yeah. I feel bi, like, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, and so she'll say, she'll say that I want to, she's, so she was explaining that to him. And so he was like, Ooh, this is a moment for me to share my experience with a, with a trans woman. Cause mm -hmm. I've never been with a man, but I have been with a trans woman mm -hmm. and Ooh, I want to share this with her because I like her we are oh, this relationship is going well i want to be open and honest we've been dating for like a year uh, he said like nine months and mm -hmm. i want to be open and honest with her me being the pessimistic and scary one i'm like ooh, i, I wouldn't tell her because mm -hmm. <laughs> that might be that might get ugly he was like right. no she's cool she's great and i was like okay cool as soon as he tells her she breaks up with him oh my gosh and tells him that i just I just, I don't want to do who dates trans women. Yeah. And he was like, like he showed her my picture and like he just was being so open and honest right. about the experience because she was being open and honest about her experience. Mm -hmm. And she literally broke up with him and he was devastated. Oh so God. now he's in a situation where I'm not telling anybody. Right. I can't tell right. anybody about this because I have got this such bad reaction. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in the position where I told you, but I also in a position where like, you might come across a woman who doesn't, he, who won't respond like that. Yeah. I and so know. I don't know how to respond to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to talk to men in a way when this is the response that they are getting when they are being honest. And so when I guess... I don't know. I really do. I feel like, do you want to date somebody who's transphobic though? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's sad. That's a sad story. But she was transphobic. And if you love trans folks on any level, right? Like, friendly, romantically, like, do you want to date somebody that's transphobic? That's... I, but I think some people don't care. It's like when right, people yes, date anti-Black yes, people. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. They don't care. Yeah, like, I think I don't that's... think he cares. That's the... So that's the... that's But that's what, you like you were saying, be honest about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't care whether or not you date somebody who's transphobic, if you don't care whether or not... Because that, that could mean anything she could be doing any kind of damage her transphobia could be silent and just harmful on an individual level in that way or she could be at the freaking gas station you know freaking hitting a trans girl over ahead in a group fight like it's so many different layers to that so it's like how complicit do you want to be so i get it like i'm not i'm not saying that i'm this is out of the realm of my understanding like i fully get that there are people who like they don't care and like that's okay but i think that when we engage with those people, I think it's important that we need to call it what it is. Like, I think it's okay for us to be understanding that, okay, you're just a bigot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, I get it, I get it. This I... Is what, but I'm not gonna not call you a bigot, you know what I mean? I think letting him know that it is transphobic, but you know, however he wants to move, I guess is his choice. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, thank you, Janicia. Thanks for having me. We talked about all kinds of stuff I didn't expect to talk about. Oh my goodness.
Oh my God. Sorry. I don't like talking about dating these niggas. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I sounded cuckoo. Um, but I it caught me off guard. I I didn't expect to go to go there. No, I think it went brilliant. I think um if you listen to Marsha's play and you are listening, you you are looking for um cis women who just get it, who are just they analyze things from a just a different outside the box level that you know i just think t with J. y'all just one of my favorite podcasts y'all just y'all just brilliant so if you want to listen to them go check them out and if you want to follow janicia where can they follow you yes um so if you want to follow me via the podcast um our social handles on twitter and instagram are at t with qj and that's on twitter and instagram if you want to follow me personally i'm on twitter and instagram at janicia f that's j-a-n-i-c-i-a-f and usually i say the f is for savings but i know that that's silly so Mm. f is in (laughs) frank or whatever you know and don't call her a fucking lady. <laughs> yes, my pronouns are she, her, they, them, and I'm not a lady. Um, so there's only one lady here in this call, uh, and it's Diamond. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a lady. Please, I appreciate. I appreciate acknowledging that. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so thank you. I will put her links down in the bottom. Um, go check her out. Thank you, Janice. Yes. Thanks for having me, Diamond. This was so much fun. Thank you. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's going to be all right. Every little thing's going to be all right.